This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Do you have an abundance of joy, happiness, and fulfillment in your life? I thought not. That's why Autoslum.com is doing all we can to make sure the landscapes that you live in stay ugly, isolating, and generally terrible. Here at Autoslum.com, we offer completely unsustainable civic planning to ensure that the places we all live remain car-dependent, futureless, cultureless commercial cesspools. At Autoslum.com, we devote absolutely no forethought to the way that the human landscapes that we build will make you feel. Our only thoughts go to unimaginative, soul-sucking things like what will make the most money and be most alluring to cars. Many of our towns and cities don't even have sidewalks, because walking is for losers. As a result of the sedentary, miserable lifestyles that our infrastructure and civic planning encourage, obesity and diabetes are exponentially rising, which means an uptick in business in our failing, privatized, and overpriced healthcare system. Luckily, smartphones and social media are there to keep you oblivious, carefree, and perpetually scrolling. You will slowly grow more miserable as you remain completely disconnected from anything even slightly resembling nature, native habitats, or ecosystems. Autoslum.com has everything you need to perpetuate an idiotic and destructive way of life. Autoslum.com, coming soon to everywhere. And this episode was sponsored by Autoslum.com. I don't know if that, I don't know if that domain name is even open, but if it is, someone should get that, and then we could just do. We'll just. Go around, you know, as you travel, just take photos of every shithole commercial cesspool in the United States. And there's so many of them now, you know, all, all, so much sprawl. Just get like a lineup of the main drag, you know, no sidewalks, endless plastic signs, retail slum, everyone's in a car, you know, that kind of shit. And just, we'll just do, it'll just be like a photo shot, like just like a snuff porn scroll of just the, you know, photographs of the, every commercial landscape from fucking Connecticut down in New Mexico, a lot in Texas. We got a lot on the I-35 corridor down here. You know, basically from Dallas down here to the Mexican border where I am, it's just a straight fucking commercial cesspool. You know, you can't walk anywhere, all right? Walk-ins for, walk-ins for nabs. You got to drive. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you could go, especially Southern California. You know, Southern California's got a shit ton of that stuff. You know what I'm talking about, right? It feels, these places that feel generally terrible to be in. The complete opposite of how one might feel if you're in a very beautiful place and some of the remaining crumbs of intact habitat and ecosystem down here. Anyway, welcome to another episode of the Crime Page of Botany Doesn't Podcast. I like these spoof ads because I have to have advertising on the podcast because it, you know, enables me to keep doing it basically since I, you know, quit the railroad a few years ago. So, uh, being that I, I can't get out of, you know, the, the advert, I don't want to just, I'm not going to break up with them. I want them to break up with me. You ever been in a dysfunctional relationship like that? It's absolutely terrible. Okay. It's not the emotionally responsible thing to do. 
You know, it's that's how I feel like with the advertisers. You know, I'm too chicken shit to break up with them, so I'm just gonna make it as terrible as possible <laughs> for them, so that they leave. Oh, I, I kid. Have, have you ever done that? I, I bet, I bet a lot of us have done that before. Anyway, that's why we, uh, we try to better ourselves so we don't end up, uh, you know, partaking in those uh, uh, dysfunctional emotional habits. Anyway, uh, yeah, welcome uh, to, uh, welcome to the podcast. I haven't done one in like two weeks because I've been busy as fuck. We were filming Kill Your Lawn down here in South Texas. We, greetings, by the way, from the Mexican border. Greetings from deep South Texas, where the only white people you ever see are just coming down here for the winter, you know, and they're generally, you know, they're generally from, you know, Minnesota places, you know, they're, they're gentle, they're gentle folk, but uh, <clears throat> we call them winter Texans down here, but, um, you know, greetings from the Tamalipan thorn scrub. Most, one of the most endangered habitat types in the United States, but that's so many, isn't it? Uh, what the fuck? What do we got to talk about today? Well, we got I got a lot of things to talk about, actually. I was invited to a peyote ceremony, uh, what was it, like a week and a half ago? Two weeks now? Jesus Christ. Um, checked up on some of the remaining habitat here out there in a beautiful Star County, the Peyote Gardens. Uh, basically, Vichelia rigidula, the black brush acacia, and Senegalia berlandieri, which used to be an acacia too, until they all got slammed into a new genera because it was found out that they, though they looked alike, they were not, they were not, uh, it was not a monophyletic group, you know, which happens sometimes. They looked alike, but they didn't look that much alike, okay? You look at some of the Australian acacias, completely different. They got that whole phyllodes thing, all photosynthetic petioles and what the shit, you know? different leaves the flower structures look kind of the same but when you get up close and look at them they're different and of course there's that whole you know biogeographic disjunction you know i don't know nine thousand miles apart <clears throat> from uh the north american members of the genus acacia so anyway thankful to whoever got that sorted out i think that was 10 or 15 years ago they moved uh all the quote-unquote new world acacias into different genera senegalia and vichelia and mario susa which is a weird genus name to pronounce. Anyway, we're going to start the podcast off today with a little phone call to uh, to Al Scorch, and we're just going to ask him about some stuff over there. So uh, here, here we go. Here's Al. Let's give him a call. Hello. Yeah, hi, Al. How's it going? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. What's going on, Joe? Uh, I don't know. I just wanted to call you and say hi. I wanted to ask you a couple questions. Like, first off, to start, uh, first off, you got time? Do you have time? I do have time. I'm just doing some breakfast nice. We just, we both just got home from doing a little show. So, so I could actually take some time to relax and cook a vegetable. Now, you were, you were in a fitness center an hour ago, correct? That's correct. I start my day, you know, been, been starting my day in the fitness center. Uh, because when I put my body in the fitness center, it puts my mind, it puts me in the fitness center of my mind. Okay, so you're like, so you go, what do you do? You go to the YMCA or the, the little, where where you go to? I go to the Chicago Park District Fieldhouse uh, right down at the end of my block in, in my local in my local Chicago Park District Park. I go to the Fieldhouse, beautiful, you know, 1890s building, and, uh, you know, they got steam radiators in there. It's about 115 degrees, and I just get on the elliptical there, start my day, sweat my little ass off. And how many how many other people are there in a Fieldhouse? Is it, is it underutilized? 
It's underutilized. Nobody's up there. However, there is a, there is a bustling moms and tats class that meets in an auditorium next door. So, you know, while I'm doing that over there, you know, uh, halfway through my workout, all of a sudden there's, you know, there's just a little invasion of munchkins and, and moms with strollers and stuff. So, well, you, you got, you got to watch out for those there because, you know, they got all the, the diseases and stuff. You know, they're, they're like little kids are like Petri dishes, you know. It's true, you know, especially when you're inside a, a poorly ventilated field house with, uh, you know, 115-degree radiators. But it's actually it's actually highly ventilated because the windows are all open because it's so dang hot. So, oh, that's, you know. that's nice. So they got a boiler like many of these old Chicago buildings then. Yeah, they got a steam boiler, a radiator. You can melt Crayola crayons down. It'll give you third degree of burns if you touch it, but it's so nice and toasty, I got to tell you. It's and, nice. and Al, why don't you tell everybody what, what what's the outside temperature there right now? You know, it's actually not bad today. It's about, it's almost about 40 degrees. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it's my God. Not, it, it's not bad. It's balmy. That is balmy out there. I was going to say, you know. I, uh, I, I got a question for you. Yeah, what was it? All the plants we met last week in a South Texas habitat, what do you think, which one of those plants most closely uh, can be compared to Cardinal Bernardine, the late Cardinal Bernardine? Like, you oh, know. Definitely have to say to S and Becky uh, because Cardinal Bernardi was a rare one. He was really a rare one, you know, and he was uh, really special. And uh, you know, they don't come along that often. And uh, you know, there's only a couple, two, three guys like him. So I definitely have to say that rare citrus that S and Becky reminds me most of Cardinal Bernardi. Rest in peace. It's, so it's it's everybody likes the everybody likes the S and Becky basically. Everyone likes the S and Becky. Pleasant to be around. Uh, a beloved presence, you know, remembered in its absence. And uh, you know, you know, just a rare one. You know, there's not many. Of, there's they don't make them like Cardinal Burnaby. You yep. know, so they, and, and there's not many S and Beckys. So you know. Now, Al, I wanted to ask you too. Now we were talking, you know, for the for the for the psychological development of myself. You know, at one point I got stuck in a trammel loop. Yeah, right? you were stuck in that trammel loop. Uh, you know, and you just anyways, uh, anyways, yeah, actually, uh, hello, actually, hello, actually. Actually, yeah, it's kind of like that. Actually, it's like um, that. Yeah, actually, like that. yeah, he's reliving, he's reliving things that he's experienced, and, and you know, so what I do is I just, you know, I get a nearby stick or uh, you know some kind of blunt implement, and I just kind of jostle him out of it, you know, I just give him a little, you know, like when the record's skipping, you just gotta gotta go bump the turntable, kind of like that, you know. Oh, you gotta you gotta kind of whack me out of it, like whack me on ahead. That's right. That's right. Just give you a little shove and say, "Hey, you're fine. Come back to me." Come right, like, back to right. Me. Like when I'm when I'm channeling like the the angry white lady in North Berkeley that's getting mad at me because my dog's not on a leash. Something like that. That's right. Exactly. You get stuck there, and you know, I just got to say, "Hey, pal, come back. Come back. You're stuck in a trammel loop. You know, you get you're not some old hippie lady's not yelling at you about your unleashed dog. It's okay. It's okay. Come back to me. Now we're, we're here together now. Where do we learn these, you know, development skills? Because you know, I I don't see if if you never if you wouldn't have hit me with something, I would have been I'd have been stuck there. You know, like most coping skills, you know, we just we just come across some, you know, trial and error as we live our lives, you know, and some work and are healthy and some aren't so helpful. And, and you know, you got to find other ones to replace them with. Okay, I understand. I see. You that. Know. Now, Al, I want to ask you, too, with the in terms of the pat, when did you do the pat today or you, did you do it last night or when's the last time you did the pat? You know, I ain't, I ain't done any pat since, uh, you know, since actually I was at your house down there a couple of days ago. You know, I'm trying to back off the pat, you know, because there was a time when, when we were doing a lot of pot, you know. Doing a lot of pot. 
we were maybe even doing some might say too much pack. But know, but so. as far as I understand, though, you there's you you make a great distinction between too much pat and a lot of pat. Right now, too much pat and a lot of pat. You know, it's 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 when a lot of pat really really starts to mess you up, and then it's too much pat. Now, now let's say me and you were sitting back around a fire, you know, and it's nighttime, and we done working. We just you know we wrapped up doing a bunch of little skits and stuff. We were working for two weeks straight, and we're in your backyard having a nice little mesquite fire. You got the non-alcoholic and, beers. You you we're slamming non-alcoholic beers, and we're smoking a lot of pot. Now that's just a lot of pot. That's not too much pot, you know. That's not too much pot. So if you're laying on the ground and you're you're, you know, uh, basically channeling, you're, you're singing, you're talking in like your reggaeton voice or something. Yeah, that's right. You know, you're playing guitar, you're making up little songs, you know, about uh, Betty Lauren Maltese, you know, meeting uh, Governor George Ryan in heaven. You know, that's fine, you know. That's not a, that's, that's not too much pot. That's just a that's lot. That's not too much pot. That's just a lot of pot. And that's okay from time to time. Now, when it gets to be too much pot, it's, you know, when you start to have paranoid delusions about people's intentions and, and you're misreading scenarios and you're, and you're spinning out of control and, you know, thinking that, uh, you know, thinking that the mailman's, uh, you know, mad at you, stuff like that. Five G towers, five G towers, and stuff. You know. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's a whole other level of too much pot. That's that's a that's a Colorado level of too much pot. That's what I call that. Right. Okay. Now, Al, let's talk about. I want to ask you some questions about Salozzi and Edelson, uh, notorious okay. uh, Chicago local TV fame. Now, what exactly? What is the straight dope? As they say, uh, what happened with Salozzi? There was some sort of embezzlement. Uh, going yeah, on. I'm going to have to look it up, but there was definitely like a kind of a kickback thing, uh, you know, something, I, you know, with his son involving, uh, you know, some kind of dispersal of money based on a business. You know, I, you know it's going to have to, I'm going to have to look into that one before I can give you the straight dope. I, wanna, I don't want to tell tales out of school with just what I heard, you now, know. Now, but what do you think happened with Edelson? Was Edelson in on it too? Or wait, or actually, here we go. I got some, I got here. We'll put this on really quick for everybody. Okay, you want the best price and the greatest selection. So we offer over 1,500 new cars and trucks ready for immediate delivery. We offer low now, rate financing I, to qualify. They, look at the mustache on Edelson is phenomenal. Do you see that? Right, and it's C E L O Z Z I. Now, how many people that grew up in a, in a tri state area? Uh, were traumatized by that ad, would you say? I think everyone, it's burned into memory, kind of like some sort of uh, deranged cattle brand. Is that correct? You can't even, you know, I can't even think two thoughts without thinking about that commercial. You know, so it's really burning there. A lot of people were affected by it. Right, right. And it's, you know, that goes same for the Empire Carpet Guy and all these other, you know, basically pieces of, uh, of uh, commercial litter that have been emblazoned into young minds. You know, and I think it's really important because it did shape our humor and our psyche. You know, so without without all these, uh, you know, daytime Chicagoland television commercials, I don't even know where I'd be. But I, I don't think they band. meant to do that. I think it was unintentional, you know. No, they were just trying to, you know, get the message across that, you know, you should call 773 773- Right, okay, here we go. Chicago Tribune from February 16th. This is almost, this is almost, what, what is it? 30, no, 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 what is that, 20, fuck, I can't even do the math, no, 27 years ago, 28 wow. years ago, February 16th, 1995 at 12 a.m., 
Salozzi's son and two others indicted in money scam. Is it a, a money scam? They're doing a scam, no doubt about it. What were they doing in there? Uh, it says the eldest son of the co-owner of one of the, lar the country's largest Chevrolet dealers, uh, a dealership employee and a former president of a Teamsters Union local, were indicted Thursday on federal charges of laundering money on behalf of an undercover FBI agent posing as a drug dealer. This isn't looking good, Al. I'll be straight. No, I'll be honest with so, you. So you're talking it was Salozzi's son, who was also president of a local Teamsters chapter, who got he got caught for money laundering. Right, okay. but you know you followed a smoke trail and you know where it's going to lead. Okay. You know, yeah, you know where he's laundering that money down at, uh, up at the at the dealership. You know, let's say people are buying cars in cash. You know, okay, so that's easy. Okay, let, let's keep going on now. Here we go. Named in the 14 count indictment were Joseph M. Salozzi. 34 of Bensonville, service manager at Salozzi Edelson Chevrolet dealership in Elmhurst, Albert L. D. Bartolo Jr., 45 of Chicago, a sales manager at the dealership, and Leonard Joseph Jr., 35, past president of Teamsters Local 703. So those all sound like reputable people. Oh, uh, absolutely. The especially D. Bartolo. You know, I, 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 as an Italian-American myself, I have to say, you know, I've I, I seen that one coming. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're not surprised, you know. So, so do you have any personal, uh, do you have any personal experience with uh, either of the Salozzi or the Edelsons out there? You know, I actually don't. Sorry, I just dropped some broccoli in a skillet. I don't know if you heard that. Oh, as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have, you know, I don't have any experience with them. Uh, you know, typically, you know, I buy my used vehicles on a secondhand market directly from an owner. So, you know, I've never had the joy of, uh, you know, uh, enlisting their services. So, so basically what you're saying, if you have to buy a used car, erase the middleman, buy directly from owner. That's it. That's it. You want to go, you know, you know, nowadays you're going on Craigslist, you're going on Facebook Marketplace, and, uh, you know, you're looking for a 1989 to 1991 Chevy Suburban, let's say. 
Okay. So, I, you know, while we're on the subject, I do want to put that out there to your listeners. If anybody's got an 89, 90, or 91 Chevy Suburban uh, that they need to get rid of, please let me know. Uh, I'm in the market, okay? You know, so why not Why not a 92 or 93? Did something change? Did they stop making them? Something changed. Okay, so the 92 is the year that they stopped with the classic square body uh, body style. So, so from 1973 to 1991, you know, same truck, aesthetically, same truck. But the 89, 90, 91, you get the fuel injection in there, so you get a little bit get better gas mileage, no more carburetor, you know, so... Uh, so you get a little more modern gas mileage, but you know, uh, you still have the classic look. Okay, and that's what you like. You like that square body, basically. I like that. I want that. I want that look, and it's just you know, it's just a cavernous vehicle. You know that I want to. I want to be able to take it on a drive and uh, and go out into the woods with my sweetheart, and we just you know live in that thing. Yeah, from, know, what, from it, what I understand, you used to have one of those, did you not? You know, I used to have two of those, Joey. I used to have two of those things. Uh, you know, the last one, it just kind of got a little rickety, rust buckety. I just had to sell it. But the one prior to that, as you may recall, uh, back in 2009, it was stolen off the streets of Chicago. Oh, and it was immediately in a chop shop in Indiana the next it was, morning. Yeah, it was, it was gone, you know. It was it was gone. It was too, it was too nice for me to have. You know, it was... No, that's yeah, not was, true. Uh, Don't think like that. That's not... Come on. Right. Positive, hey, thanks, buddy. positive thanks. mental attitude there. You don't but want I that. PMA. Right. I got that PMA. I got that PMA. You know, you're not like you're not like Nikki Solosi, you know, uh, you know, soliciting uh, money laundering schemes with the FBI, you know. That's right. What a doofus, you know. How do you not know somebody's in the feds? I don't, he must have been very convincing. Anyway, all right, well, Al, I want to say thanks a lot for doing this, and uh, we'll see if we could, hopefully we find you a Suburban soon, and, uh, you know. You know, that would be great. I really hope we can tap into the network and, and you know, find one sitting in somebody's garage or at their lake house or in a barn somewhere. That would be so nice. Okay, thanks. Hey, thanks a lot, and I hope you. I hope we all stay in the fitness center of the mind. Stay in the fitness center of your mind. And, uh, you know, don't let buddy, anybody throw you off your game. And, and we'll talk to you soon. And I'll see you in about, I'll see you about a week here, Johnny. I, I know. It's too soon. <laughs> okay. Too I, soon. I love soon. you. Okay, bye. Love you too, pal. Okay, see you now. Bye. Stay in a fitness center of your mind. Oh, stay in a fitness center of your mind. Can you believe... I Sometimes I can't believe people actually listen to this fucking... Oh, you just want to listen to me rant and sing about nonsense and, you know, take out all the shit I should be taking off with my uh, my shrink with you guys. But anyway, um, let's talk about some plants. So, well, first off, let's talk about the peyote ceremony. So I got invited to a peyote ceremony. My love for this plant uh, is really a love for the entire habitat. And it didn't, you know, when it started, it wasn't, be, I mean, I guess there's the allure that this plant produces a psychoactive compound. But again, so does uh, Trichocereus. Uh, Brigizii and Trichocereus, uh, oh Jesus Christ, I can't even remember the one that, uh, oh, hold on, Trichocereus pachinoi, there you go, that's the one, there's a couple different Trichocereus species that produce mescaline, actually, I, I've heard too that, uh, Stenocereus aruca produces mescaline in the flowers, the creeping devil cactus, which is critically imperiled and, uh, hopefully will not be bulldozed anytime soon in its native Baja California Sur habitat down there by Puerto San Carlos, to make way for some shitty 
resorts, but, uh, you know, because the human tumor, are, uh, which again is not just capitalism, but surely capitalism has a lot to do with it. All right, where you just fucking bulldoze and destroy such beautiful, living, intact ecosystems to make way for some of the dumbest shit imaginable, like fucking resorts and condos, and of course here in the United States, strip malls, uh, go-nowhere tract housing built in communities that often don't have sidewalks, where you got to drive everywhere, you know, they look like little little tumor cells when you see them from a plane, you know, about, uh, I don't know, two two miles up in the air, three miles up in the air. Um Steno Sirius Aruca produces it too. So, 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 so anyway, the point I'm getting at is this compound is produced by uh, a number of cacti, probably quite a few more that haven't been studied yet. Uh, it, of course, evolved due to its herbivory deterrent. All right. It, it, uh, you know, induces nausea. Um, and just as a byproduct, also happens to, and it's a very bitter uh, alkaloid. And just as a byproduct, as a magic byproduct, happens to uh, have very pleasant psychoactive effects on uh on the human psyche so it's not mescaline is not uh, i guess sometimes if you do a lot maybe you could maybe have some sort of visions or something but it's more i've heard it compared somewhat uh to mdma and i believe it is somewhat similar in chemical structure that you'd have to ask somebody like hamilton morris or someone who knows their shit about uh, organic chemistry to really uh quantify that for you but i've heard the chemical structure is somewhat similar to mdma um, and it's just, it's a pleasant, it's a pleasant feeling. There is a lot of nausea, but, um, you know, I, I've been against eating peyote. I think there's much more sustainable ways to get this, uh, medicine, if you will, this to, there's much more sustainable ways to ingest this chemical compound, uh, you know, like doing an extraction on Trichosirius, uh, which, uh, there's some good online text, T-E-K, uh, to do that and of course if you live in a place like california uh you put a plant like trichosirius in the sun it's going to just take off down here in south texas it's a little too hot i've had yeah i had san pedro in my yard in oakland for fucking oh god and nearly a decade and a half uh and it was uh i think my friend flea ganked it from someone's yard he just cut a piece off a multi stemmed individual in someone's yard in berkeley they got a lot of nice gardens up there in berkeley and uh that's a night you know could you imagine living in a place where like just walking down the street and a walkable fucking street and it's rare to see a lawn in berkeley all right as much shit as i talk on berkeley because it is kind of a it's a fancy lad town on you know at least a lot of areas but as much shit as i talk on berkeley it was such a pleasant experience to just fucking walk around the streets there because most people have really cool yards. Um, they're not necessarily native plant gardens, but they'll, you know, you'll see a lot of like Zarek themed yards, a lot of fucking low water yards, a lot of interesting stuff, giant redwoods planted in yards, giant sequoias, which of course aren't native to the coast and grow more inland in the Sierra Nevada. You'll see those planted in yards. So it's a very, it could be a very fun place to, you know, maybe you do a little pot, you take a walk, and uh, just walking around Berkeley, it's so nice to live in a walkable city. And I feel so bad for people that grow up without that uh, ability. And I think that's why part of the reason cities have gotten so gentrified in the last 20 years is because a lot of the well-to-dos realize it sucks living in the suburbs. You know, how many fucking kids grow up in these places and dream of leaving? Uh, it's, it's a fucking tragedy. There's so many places in Texas, in Florida, and so many other quote-unquote sunbelt states you know just lower latitude united states 
places that just hate where they live because it sucks. You just, what is there to do? You know, I mean, the fucking, it's lawns, which are just fucking kill me to look at. This is why it's it's easy for me to do a show like Kill Your Lawn. Like, I I'm, I'm still kind of can't believe this got sold because I just, I feel like it's something any network wouldn't touch with a fucking 10-foot pole. I feel like any network especially wouldn't touch me with a 10-foot pole. I'm a high-risk uh, person to have doing the speaking here. But, uh, you know, it, it's. I think there's a lot of sentiment out there because people just are becoming aware of how fucking miserable it feels to be in these places and then of course i mean it makes it all the more alluring since so since where you live is so visually unappealing and just soul killing it makes it more appealing to just endlessly scroll on your phone you know to just get stuck in the fucking metaverse the metaverse is like a herpes outbreak of the mind okay the metaverse is like it's like having herpes of the mind all the time and i can't believe that it's uh I don't know, man. <laughs> it's just becoming such a predominant part of life. Every day I don't pick up my phone to look at social media is such a nice day. And every day I do pick it up to look at social media, it just ends up being terrible. Uh, that said, um, anyway, so, you know, th- these, uh, think of how nice it would be to live in a place where, like, just walking to the fucking store was a pleasant experience. Every yard was filled with cool plants cool fucking insects, butterflies, whatever the shit. I know it's winter in the northern latitudes for a lot of you guys, so that's not really an option now anyway, you know? But uh, you always got the, you know, poisoning yourself with alcohol to to extract yourself from the misery of... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Um, as I drink a non-alcoholic beer. But uh, imagine how nice it would be, though. You know, it makes being outside, it makes walking down the street pleasant. And that's what a lot of places in Berkeley felt like, and even Oakland. Like, there, I had my spots. That, that was why I started planting illegally on Mandela Parkway, because it was just, I was sick of walking down. You know, I, I love the idea of parking your fucking car and not getting in it for a week, because you don't need it, you know? And so I would do that all the time, and I would just, I was always on foot, always walking around. And uh, I got sick of walking down this this abandoned median strip of this boulevard and just looking at all this dead shit that the city planted like non-native fucking eastern united states or european uh trees you know adapted the climates with with uh wet summers with rainy summers and of course california doesn't have that it's a mediterranean climate you just got got sick of seeing ugly shit just in empty landscaping beds and stuff places where shit had died so that's why i started planting oh nice monarch just flew outside the window I would just start planting illegally. Imagine how nice it could be. I mean, you can improve. You can make being outside someplace you want to be, you know? You can make it so that you don't have to fucking drive, you know, an hour or 40 minutes to, like, the little crumbs of habitat that are left around you that haven't been turned into a fucking raw stress for less or some other heinous shit, you know? You can uh, you could do all that in your fucking yard or at the abandoned lot across the street, all right? I'm about to plant two Ebenopsis ebano, Texas ebony trees, uh, uh, at a abandoned fucking median strip a couple blocks down from where I live now, right near a church, you know? I, maybe I should talk to them. I, you know, I think, they're, they think they're housing migrants in the church too, which is pretty cool. You know, give them a, giving them a safe house, you know, after you cross. God, we, you know what? We were filming at this... Uh, I'm getting wildly off track here like I always do. We were filming at this, uh, this remnant Montezuma Cypress, this remnant Taxodium Mucronatum, 
down here on the other side of the border wall. You got to go on the other side of the border wall to get through. And, you know, there's openings in the border wall so Border Patrol can drive through. But what the whole point of the border wall they're trying to do is create choke points, you know, so you can't get through the wall, but every half mile there's an opening. And then they just monitor the shit out of those openings. So we, we drove, I took the whole film crew and shit down here. We're filming the Taxodium mucronatum because it's a fucking cool plant. And this one is probably 800 or 900 years old. This is like a big, fat, squat, Keebler elf tree of a redwood because Taxodium are technically related to redwoods. I mean, they are related to redwoods. They're technically redwood trees that grow in the fucking ball-breaking heat of South Texas. And this tree is nowhere near the river now. It's like a half mile north of it. But of course, the Rio Grande, this is elementary geology. You'll see this in your geology textbook. Any large river uh, will frequently change course. Um every time it floods and overflows its banks that's what a river valley is it's basically you know the river channel overflows shifts course for 50 years stays that stays in that uh channel for 50 years then get another epic flood it switches course again just like if you were you know on a hill uh at like a construction site with a hose you know you change the course you know you basically pouring water from a hose down a fucking mud hill it's going to figure out its own channel and then you increase the flow a little bit it's going to all suddenly overflow the 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 channel that it's in you know get a new course whatever so the rio grande does that a lot mississippi because the mississippi stays in the same general path but there's still quite a few oxbow lakes on the mississippi so every time uh the river changes course and abandons its former path it sometimes leaves behind oxbow lakes which is like a river bend um, that then gets cut off from the former channel. And so they call them Rosacas down here. So this was, at one point where this Taxodium mucronatum was, the Rio Grande was running through it uh, probably 900 years ago when this tree germinated because they basically need to germinate in water on the banks of creeks and streams. And then, uh, you know, the river changed course and now it's a half mile south. But this tree is still there. It got its roots deep enough into this silty, sandy, loamy, moisture retaining soil and so it's still it's still growing there it looks like hell because all the scrubland around it's been destroyed and uh the wall of fucking border walls there and there's like an agricultural field next to it that i've never seen anything growing in it just is like a sterile plowed agricultural field but uh you know we we were there filming it's a cool tree nonetheless and there's this understory of a butylon melvasi and uh some other legumes like you know palo, little palo verdes and shit under it and uh but it's the only tree there and surely there were more of them but they've of course all been logged uh you know once the place got quote-unquote settled a uh, hundred years ago because south texas really started to get settled i guess a hundred years ago you know um you had you know the fucking spanish came through before that of course but uh you know when when it first large-scale development was like 100 120 140 years ago so this, this tree is left. We were filming it, um, and uh, it's funny. They put a little sign up for it, which is cool. I'm glad they did it, but they, they spelled the name wrong, and they, you know, the species name is capitalized. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be genus, of course. Genus name capitalized, species name lowercase, um, which, uh, of course, anyone who's new to botany, you got to remember that always lowercase on your species epithet. Genus is, is, is capitalized. Species epithet is lowercase. So 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Like homo sapiens. The H is the only capital letter there. So anyway, um, but that's just a little, you know, whatever shit. A little finicky. Um, spelling the actual name itself wrong was kind of a drag, but whatever. It's, you know, it's the valley. So anyway, <laughs> we're filming there and this dude walks up. And it, it was a fucking chilly day. It was like one of the odd chilly days here in South Texas. And the dude was like just cold. You could tell he just been through the fucking ringer. Um, I don't know how he got across the river. He was dry, but man, this guy was unhappy. And so he was, you know, my Spanish is somewhat okay, somewhat half-assed. But he was basically, you know, asking where to go. And so we told him basically, you know, you don't want to go there. There's a construction crew there. They'll probably report you. You want to go down half a mile. Basically, I was aiding and abetting, which now I'm uh, admitting to in a podcast. But uh, he ended up not taking, not taking our advice, and was finally just like, "Look, you know, in Spanish, like I, I just want help. I want help." And I'm, I'm like, "Okay, go talk to the construction crew. They'll get Border Patrol. They'll get La Migra for you." And uh, and so that's what he did. But um, Jesus Christ, man, you know, I just, I just think about the f- fucking. You see it all the time, you know? And if, it's just funny that it's it's always so vilified. These people are always so fucking vilified, you know? And, and of course, it's just a campaign stunt. It's just an easy uh, gimmick, you know, to politically capitalize on, you know, demonizing migrants. But uh, fuck, it just, I don't know, man. It just, it's it's always, it fucks with me a little bit, you know? Especially when you realize how much money the cartels make off of moving these people and don't even give a shit about them. And the shit that the rates they charge too, fucking thousands of dollars for people that are already broke, you know, just to get them to San Antonio or wherever. So uh, anyway, um, but yeah, anyway, back to what I was saying. Just can you imagine how nice it would be to fucking <laughs> walk through a, a, a yard and, you know, if, if every place looked like Berkeley, but without this snotty, uh, elitist, you know, borderline mentally ill, uh wealthy people that uh, inhabit parts of berkeley wouldn't that be nice so anyway that's where my original trichoserious pachinoid came from I'm so glad i was able to finally wrap wrap it back to the subject that i began talking about so i had one in my yard in oakland and it would just grow the san pedro would just grow and grow and put on a foot a year probably 
Um, but yeah, down here it's just too hot for them because these are higher elevation cacti. They're not used to the fucking heat that you get down here in the peyote gardens of uh, South Texas. So uh, that's the sustainable way to get mescaline if, if you know, someone wants to try it, all right? Uh, peyote is not sustainable. It grows far too slow. And it's just a beautiful plant to begin with. So my my whole fascination with them had more to do with the overall habitat they're a part of and the ways in which they grow than it did with the fact that they produce mescaline. All right, I feel the same way about star cactus, which of course is not psychoactive. Right? Also known as the sand dollar cactus, Astrophytum asterius, which is much more rare than peyote. Um, so I, I never really had any intention of doing it. It just doesn't seem like it's a, you know, how, how could you cut a plant, you know, if you got one? And, and set back, you know, 10 years of growth just for 10 hours. It's a pleasant feeling. But, you know, I was not uh, I was not going to seek it out for those purposes. But um, that said, you know, being invited to a ceremony, it makes you that's it makes you understand why the two go hand in hand. And so it made me understand that, that peyote without a ceremony is like marinara sauce without pizza. OK, you could still do it. You could still, I will drink a, a jar of marinara sauce to myself uh, every now and then. I'll also eat cans of tomato paste and shit. Your stereotypical uh, Italian-American uh, uh, vibe right there. But, uh, you know, it, it's not its not ideal. And it, it's kind of, you save for those special occasions. Um, and that's, that's what I came to understand uh, after being invited to this ceremony by a friend. It was, uh, it was held in Stark County. Uh, they set up a teepee, uh, a bunch of uh, Navajo came down, a few Navajo people, some Navajo elders, this fucking badass woman uh, who was Arapaho in Cheyenne came down. Um, her name was Margaret. She's she's one of the uh, 13 indigenous grandmothers, which is some organization that was formed. It was like a, a loose organization that was declared in 2004. Uh, you can look them up online. 13 indigenous grannies. But uh, she was probably my favorite uh, person that I met that day. She just had such great things to say. And you could tell she was just just a really cool woman. I gave her a hug at the end of it. You know, we were all coming out of the teepee in the morning 15 hours later. And I was like, I really appreciate what you said, ma'am. You were, you know, your words made my night, basically. I could, you know, I just, she didn't waste, uh, she didn't waste any time just with filler conversation. Everything she had to say was good shit. Um, but, uh, you know, so it was, uh, it was mostly, yeah, it was mostly, uh, Navajo and then, uh, and a few Arapaho Cheyenne. And then, uh, there were a couple other white guys in there and, uh, we all just, I think there were like two Asian, Asian ladies in there too. Anyway, so we all go in, we packed 42 people in this fucking teepee, 30 foot, uh, 30 foot teepee. There was an old guy there who was a veteran, um, and we just, you know, it starts at night. It's always a night thing. We're out there in a, in beautiful Star County, basically in the peyote gardens uh, on a friend's property. And there's wild peyote all around, um, along with all the other cool thorn scrub plants. There was a bunch of, uh, uh, a bunch of other cool annuals coming up. Uh, there was a dahlia had just started blooming. It was, you know, even though it's still kind of chilly out there. And so... Uh, you know, I didn't eat anything because I knew you don't. I I've had someone had given me peyote powder before, a few months previous, which was probably totally unsustainably harvested. Uh, 
I think most of it is. It probably comes from Mexico. There's, you know, it's it's fucking sad what's happening to this plant because it's not just, you know, people harvesting it, you know, or poaching it for use. It's, I mean, there's areas where they just fucking bulldoze the habitat still because, you know, the tumor is growing, right? You gotta, you gotta, all that scrub land is just waste. What what does it do for us? It's it's useless land, right? All that tamalipan scrub land or down further down in uh, Wiracuda down there in San Luis Potosí, you know, it's just a creosote scrub. It's just uh, seen as, as wasted potential. And so, you know, it just gets bulldozed. These plants get bulldozed. Um, it's fucking tragic, you know, along with countless other species of cacti and other really cool plants that have been growing in these areas for millions of years and adapted to this specific soil and climate. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's anyway, so I, I had the um, powder before and I just took like a couple spoonfuls. I think it was like maybe between seven and 10 grams. And, uh, you know, you get a little nauseous. It doesn't, that's kind of the biggest problem is the the gastrointestinal i've never puked from it but you get gastrointestinal issues you know and then you just kind of uh, it was still pleasant though i i sat back and i just listened uh to some pleasant music and uh had it on low and then just stared at like an open desert scape uh, and watched the sunset and watched the stars come out it was just a really lovely experience very beautiful experience um you know, it's not something I can see much point in doing more than a couple times a year, if that, but whatever. But that wasn't with uh, the ceremonial aspect of it. You know, that wasn't with that wasn't with cultures that have been using this for thousands of years. And so uh, anyway, I mean, Native American church has only been really using doing the peyote thing for the last 150. Uh, and it was, you know, used as an antidote to uh, to the genocide and the fucking extermination by the honky menace. But uh, regardless, anyway, so I, you know, the, the ceremony goes hand in hand with it. It's kind of the technology, as a friend of mine says, that goes with this plant. Uh, but for me, of course, the thing, it's never just about the plant. And it's n certainly never just about the, the chemical compound, the secondary chemistry that the plant produces. It's about the entire habitat. It's about love for the land. It's about a respect for the land. It's about... Uh, uh, an excitement about the habitat and wanting to understand it more and understand how all these plant species tie in together, how the, the Senegalia and all these cool legumes provide cover, provide an overstory, a short overstory uh, to give some shade during the, you know, the intense heat that's here eight months out of the year, nine months out of the year uh, to all these plants that grow beneath them, not just peyote, but a kinocerius postsugari, astrophytomus therius, Mammillaria sphirica, uh, Escobaria emscoteriana, Mammillaria prolifera, uh, Echinocerius eniacanthus, uh, Mammillaria hyderi. There, I mean, there's, uh, oh God, Echinocerius pentalophus too. I can't forget that one. Looks like like a mass of you know ropes just sprawled out on the uh, on the floor of the scrubland here. Right. In the in the light shade of these these thorn scrub canopies, it's about the whole picture, all right. Not to mention the lichens and the cyanobacteria. There's fucking nonstop communists. Looks like someone blew their nose. It's like a green cyanobacterial film that grows, uh, you know, just totally dries out in the dormant season, and then once it gets wet, it looks like someone blew their nose or like scraped a algal film off a windshield or something and threw it on the ground. It's such a weird organism. Uh, 
but of course it fixes nitrogen too, Nostoc communis, N-O-S-T-O-C, if you want to look this up. Uh, it's about all the cool lichen species, and there's dozens of them that grow not just on the shrubs here, but also directly on the ground. It's about the whole picture. It's about the whole ecosystem. All right, not to mention all the cool animals, jaguarundis, ocelots, uh, Rio Grande burrowing toads. I guess they're Mexican burrowing, they're burrowing frogs, excuse me. Is it a frog or a toad? I think it's a frog. Some herpetologist is going to kick my ass now. Uh, it's about, you know, the bobcats, the fucking coyotes, the roadrunners, the rhabdotus snails, the whole picture of an ecosystem. It's about having reverence for the land and, and loving it, not just for what it can do for you, you know? Not just because you can, you know, your shit for brain primate species can use a couple different things out of it, peyote included. Um, and so that's what it's always about for me. And that's what I went into this teepee thinking about was like how lucky I feel to be here on this land with someone that's actually caring for it and preserving a lot of the plants that grow here and, and really has an excitement and, and a genuine love, not just for peyote, but for the, the whole plant community. Um, you know, we went this, we went to, we went in that teepee, the Parakis were just coming out. Parakis are a kind of a uh, night hawk. Well, they're not, they're not a night hawk. They're a night bird. Okay. I had to stop and actually look this one up. There's, it's the, the whole family, Capramulgidi. Am I even saying that right? Or I fucked that? Yeah. Capramulgidi, C-A-P-R-I-M-U-L-G-I-D-A-E, uh, is like the night hawk family. They're not really hawks, but it's Parakis, uh, night, lesser night hawks, it's called. They're all these like really camo, super camouflaged birds. Okay, like brown, gray. Okay, doing a whole Cripsis thing, looking like a pile of leaf litter. And you'll see them, especially if you're driving on dirt roads in South Texas at night, just you know hanging out. They like they, I don't know why they do this, but they hang out in the fucking road, uh, and they just kind of will blend in. Then when you get close to them, they just take off. I think I see them in West Texas too, but. We get like four species down here in South Texas. They've got really beautiful fucking calls, especially when you hear them at night. Um, Paraki is the common name for Nyctodromus albicalis. The common Paraki is spelled Paraki, P-A-U-R-A-Q-U-E. Uh, and then you get lesser nighthawks too, uh, which are a little bit bigger. And then what is this? Cordyles minor. What is that? Oh, the common nighthawk. A medium-sized crepuscular or nocturnal bird. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, the nightjar family. The nightjar family is the Capra Mulgady, um, whose presence and identity are best revealed by its vocalization. So this is this is the common nighthawk. I'm going to play this shit for you, all right? What are you doing? You're probably sitting at work or something. Anyway, hopefully you're in a place where you can fast forward through the shitty ads. But here's the common nighthawk call. So imagine this. Going into a teepee, the smell of mesquite fire... All right, 100 stars out because you're far enough away from the human tumor. You're not getting any, any of that light pollution that makes the sky all pink. And, uh, and you're just hearing this. This, along with, you know, two or three other species in this family, these birds that come out at night, along with the crickets and all the other shit. Occasional owl. All right, that was the common night, night hawk. Now, here's the uh, common paraki, Okay. P-A-U-R-A-Q-U-E. Such a fucking great bird. I love I love hearing this. Isn't this nice? Don't you like this? So you I'm playing songs for you. Play bird songs. Calm you right down. All right, you, maybe you feel terrible. You know, like I do probably half the time. <laughs> this is the way this listen to this. Listen to this beautiful bastard. Listen. 
I don't know what they're, what are they, what are they singing about anyways? What are they doing? What's, I don't know what they want over there. Uh, and then of course, uh, what else do you get? You get, uh, I think, what else do we get down here? Anyway, I'm just, I like, indulge me. Okay. Cause this shit, it was so pleasant to be hearing all this, you know, this cacophony, uh, you know, instead of the roar of, uh, vehicle tires on pavement, <laughs> which is what most of us get. Uh, you know, again, it's just that fundamental disconnection from uh, what really matters, which is this, these living things all around us that compose this, uh, you know, innate uh, uh, architectural biological skin of the the earth, the, this biological and architectural skin of the earth that we're slowly destroying as a species because we can't seem to uh, get our fucking values. Uh, we can't seem to get our values and priorities straight. All right. Anyway, here's a, listen to this, listen to this fucker. This is a lesser Nighthawk. How's it? Ah! Listen to that. Do you feel soothed? You can turn it right down, you know? Totally counteracts the effect of driving past, you know, I don't know, five miles of intermittent plastic signs advertising various commercial garbage businesses. Uh, anyway... So yeah, so that was that was the setup, okay? Starry fucking night, and uh, mesquite fire, and then just the smell of mesquite brushland in general. Mesquite and all the other cool legumes, you know, like I said, the black brush and the Senegalian and shit. Mesquite's the dominant tree, all right. And then occasionally ebony's if you get a little bit more uh, moisture. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was it was so nice. So we go inside, and uh, forty-two people crammed in like a thirty-foot diameter teepee. And there's a beautiful altar built, which, you know, is basically just mounded soil in a line, like a crescent shape, all right? Diked up soil uh, in a crescent shape, maybe four in, four to five inches uh, tall off the ground, and the fire's in the middle, and a uh, uh, roadman is sitting in the, you know, the, the guy that, that is basically in charge of all of it. He's an elder. This was, a, this was in particular, was a Navajo elder. And he was uh, basically starts the meeting, holds the meeting, and um, and uh, you know he's sitting down in a chair, basically at the head of the teepee, and kind of like sets it up for everybody, sets up the prayers, um, and uh, he's you know right in front of uh, the main. I guess it's an altar, but again, it's just like a like a crescent shaped. Um, uh, line of soil like think of like a dike like something you'd have for you know to like keep water out of an area it's like that it's like a four inch uh half you crescent shaped trough and then of course the fire is on the inside of that uh, crescent and um just goes right out the top the teepee's open at the top all the smoke goes up goes out um it's generating a lot of heat it smells really good uh the roadman of course is you know intermittently throughout the evening throwing uh, cedar or juniper because no true cedars grow in North America. The genus cedrus is native to the east side of the Atlantic. Um, what we call cedar in North America is all juniper species or perhaps uh, thuya, thuja occidentalis, if you're in the east, nor in the northern lands around the Great Lakes, etc. And uh, thuya placata, western red cedar, another misnomer, uh, if you're in the Pacific Northwest. And so uh, the bark of the juniper, of course, when it's, when it's dried out, you throw it into the fire. It's got all those uh, resins and, and terpenes in it. It makes a crackling sound, kind of lights up, uh, creates a really pleasant smell. And so I was, uh, 
sitting in between a man and a woman. The gentleman I was sitting next to has been doing this for 25 years. Um, the woman I was sitting next to, uh, she was from Del Rio. Her and her husband and son came. They were fucking wonderful people. Talked to them after. Um, they were sitting to the my left. And uh, we started off, Romance said a few prayers, um, and uh, and kind of introduced the meeting and, and you know gave thanks to this plant. And then uh, we talked about the habitat, or he talked about the habitat, him and uh, my friend Leo, and they uh, talked about, you know, basically how we don't, you know, just kind of setting it up. We don't want to, we don't want to just take, take, take. We want to give back to, we want to protect the habitat, protect the plants. Uh, it was a really beautiful, it was a really beautiful message and uh, just interspersed with prayers and throwing juniper bark into the fire. And uh, and then, um, you know, they pass around a, a piece of uh, corn husk cut up into a rectangle I pass around the corn husk and then they pass around a little pat pouch full of uh tobacco and everyone rolls a cigarette basically and uh in the corn husk and um and then we go about the process of you know basically everyone smokes uh tobacco i didn't really inhale that much because i used to i inhaled a little bit you know i'm not trying to pull some clintonian shit here okay I inhaled a little bit i'll be honest all right, quit smoking seven years ago, but I still inhaled a little bit. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And it was very pleasant. Um, but uh, certainly there were many times I was just smoking it like one would smoke a cigar. Like just don't take it into your lungs. Taste it, blow it out, etc. And so that that uh, the tobacco part of the ceremony went on for like half an hour, and um, and then someone comes by and collects all the all the rest of the tobacco, puts it next to the uh, the altar, the basically this this finely sculpted dirt mound that's you know like a eight foot long crescent shape uh, on the edge of the fire. And, uh, and then, uh, I think there was some, I think this is when the song started. Now, peyote music, if you ever heard of it, um, you know, you can go online and listen to Navajo or Diné, uh, 
peyote songs and it's just this rampant drumming it's like a really fast drumming um and it uh starts off kind of like a crescendo you know boom 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 and uh and then there's a uh basically a shaker instrument you know like a gourd with a bunch of seeds inside and then there's just chanting and singing and it is fucking beautiful and it it accompanies the effects we haven't even taken mescaline yet we haven't even taken the peyote yet um it accompanies this plant so beautifully it's such it's such lovely music to listen to uh especially you know it's kind of like that feeling like uh mdma like mdma will certainly make you appreciate certain types of music uh that you maybe otherwise wouldn't have been exposed to and then you've got you've got like a memory attached to that song the same way you can have a memory attached to certain smells like i'll smell things sometimes and it'll bring me back to my childhood whether it was like you know my great grandma's uh fake leather vinyl interior of her car which she filled with cigarette smoke or <laughs> the smell of old newsprint which reminds me of, like my grandpa's little uh, office and reading area uh anything you know so it's it's not just the smell itself it brings you back to the memory of how you felt when you were there and in, in the case of this music it does the same thing for me you know i'll, I'll listen sometimes like if i hear a, a one of these navajo peyote songs it'll bring me back to that uh moment you know in the ceremony it's so fucking pleasant um the first time i ever heard that music i was was the one of the i think it was like the second time i ever actually ingested peyote uh, and it was in anza borrego desert and i just played the music and i was like you know what i'm not trying to be a fucking white guy you know pretending i'm native or you know appropriating someone else's shit but these fucking people have been using it and i say that <laughs> these fucking people these fucking people and i say that with utmost respect have been using this plant for thousands of years they probably know what they're doing and what goes what goes with it you know uh so uh yeah it, it was just I, I played that chanting music and it was just you know it, it let's just say it goes with the the compound you know and it's not it's not like a slow i like the fact that it's like this this super fast you know rampant drumming mixed with shaking and then singing and chanting and it's yeah it was, it was so we basically did that they had like two or three songs and they passed around uh, a jar of ground up peyote uh ground up cactus they passed around some tea uh with a little you know everyone gets a little paper cup you know we're still trying to be covid safe here even though we got 42 people packed in a teepee or like any other virus. i'm glad they did that it makes sense you know any other viruses let's be real it's fucking 2023 now there's you know there's all kinds of numerous pathogens you got to worry about out there we'll get rsv at a peyote ceremony and uh and then they passed around you know chopped up peyote dried into uh, very thin flakes like little potato chips and it was just in this glass jar and it was you know i take us you take a spoonful or two of the powder you put it in your hand kick it back kick it back with some tea and uh and then you just continue chanting and of course i was on an empty stomach because i knew better i mean any food you have in your stomach's going to dilute the effects of this plant and also you don't want anything if you do have to barf which like three or four people did that night no big deal you got a barf you know fireman comes in cleans it up uh and it just barf on the dirt ground you're fine you know um any food you, you know you have in might come up if you end up you know puking up your uh puking up your uh mescaline and your cactus 
And so, um, and the tea, the tea is a more pleasant form uh, of getting it, of course. I mean, it's, I'm not going to lie, it's hard to go down. It, it's, that's the whole point of why this compound evolved, was to keep rabbits and uh, herbivores, other herbivores, from eating it. Um, and so it produces this compound so it doesn't have to devote all that energy into producing sharp spines. So it's relying on this mescaline compound and a, probably a host of other alkaloids. I mean, we know a host of other alkaloids. There's a host, there's a laundry list of other uh, chemicals in there that the plant makes. Um, so it produces these compounds and it relies on crypsis, the ability to hide, basically to recess into the soil and grow in the shade of uh, other trees that it grows in, whether it's, you know, many of the legumes that grow down there, the mimosoid, that is mimosa subfamily, mimosoidae, mimosoid shrubs, or whether it's stuff like Sideroxalon, uh, Celestrinum, which is a edible sh a shrub that produces edible fruit that you get down here. And so it's relying on those alkaloids so it doesn't have to invest energy uh, into producing spines. And I wonder, you know, from a cost-benefit analysis of the plant, how much cheaper is it in terms of uh, you know, metabolic requirements to produce that compound, compounds, than it is to produce, uh, you know, inch or two inch long spines. Um, it probably, it seems to work because the, I mean, before poaching and habitat destruction, the plant was seemingly everywhere down here, um, you know, despite how slow it grows. You know, I guess in a two or three years, you can get them upwards of, you know, a quarter size down here with the heat but it's certainly the heat it's the, it's the heat and uh you know none of them grow in the the sun down here it's just too fucking hot um you know they're almost all growing in shade i think there was a i've seen it in habitat a couple times uh where you'll find little ones growing in scrubland um in star county there was an area that's actually getting cleared for a solar farm and there's wind wind farms now everywhere too, and they clear a shit ton of land for that because you got to clear the you got to make way to get the road in there too. Um, where I saw a few specimens of loaves, love uh, peyote of lofafra, growing out in the open sun, and they were they were like bright blue. You can always tell the sun grown plants from the ones that have grown in you know the canopy of another shrub because uh, the sun grown plants are basically blue. They've got that thick cuticle. They've got you know as that new tissue emerges. Um, it produces more of that waxy cuticle because uh, blue reflects light a lot better than dark green does, of course. Uh, you know, to basically, you, you could tell plants that have been grown in a, in a harsher exposure. Astrophytum, whenever I've seen it, well, that's not true. There was a, I was on a private uh, parcel three years ago where there were massive clumps of astrophytum, massive clumps of star cactus that were growing semi-shaded, but certainly... Um, some of the other parcels where you see them at, they're just growing exposed, but you know, they're 50% of their body, 50% of their, that flattened sand dollar looking stem is buried beneath the gravel. And so, I mean, God, that's such a cool thing to come up on too. When you see it, look, it looks like, it literally looks like a sand dollar buried in the gravels. Uh, and the gravels are kind of acting as a mulch and a sun protectant, but there's no shrubs above them. I don't know why astrophytum is so much rarer than uh, Lophophora. Maybe because they're obligate outcrossers, so you need two plants to produce seed, Maybe, and if they're not all flowering at the same time, I don't know. Seems like it'd be a hard thing to coordinate, you know? If, you, if your flower's only open for a day or two, you got to make sure they're all, all the individuals flower at the same time. How do they, how does that, how does that happen, you know? 
Whereas loaves, a lot of lafafa, at least here in South Texas, can self-pollinate. Supposedly, it's different for some of the more southern populations. They're obligate outcrossers. I don't fucking know. Look up some of Martin Terry's papers. Okay, go to Google Scholar and look up, uh, you know, Lofafra Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, and you'll get some of his uh, papers on it. And probably, I think there's I'm, there's plenty of other people who've written papers on it, too. But um, anyway, so, you know, you don't need you don't need a lot of mescaline to uh to get it going but you just take a spoonful out of this jar put it in your hand kick it back kick it back with the tea and let it uh start to take effect and it's it's uh you know it's it goes hand in hand with this kind of ceremony it's like i like i was saying a friend of mine refers to this as a technology and it is it really is i mean you whether you spend 10 hours in that tp or 15 hours uh it seems everybody comes out of there feeling pretty good but it wouldn't be the same without the chanting, without the camaraderie, without the the feeling of, uh, I'm about to get all hippie here, forgive me, the feeling of oneness with both the land and the people around you. I can't really think of anything in Western society um, that compares with it, you know? There's not, I mean, I guess people go to church. What the fuck is that, though? I mean, you spend an hour in church, a lot of people are probably, you know fucking their fucking their neighbor's wife or something when they go anyway diddling kids i don't know you know you could talk you could be all about that talk but there's nothing to really put you in that state of mind you could be how many christians do you know uh, for instance and i'm certainly not just attacking christianity i think they're all kind of fucked well the jews don't really bother anybody i guess huh well that's not true <laughs> you've got the zionists everyone's tainted a little bit right all these religions kind of lose their lose their direction you know they can say they're about all this good shit on the surface but when it comes down to it a lot of them are fucking assholes not all of them of course people are people i've met some really wonderful christians and muslims etc but uh you know it's if we're talking religion here but now you've got a religion and i see that's accompanied by you know native american church that's accompanied by uh this compound that automatically puts you in that place in that mind state uh, or i guess there's times where it won't but it seems like the efficacy is greatly increased uh you know if you're in a ceremony and uh, you're ingesting peyote um you know it's uh it's like doing therapy uh on mushrooms or mdma it's you could do therapy without those things certainly but you know you take five grams of dried psilocybe dried psilocybin containing mushrooms and you will automatically be placed in a spot where you uh have to deal with all your shit same thing with mdma you will be in a spot where if you're doing it in therapy you can kind of open up the hood of your mind and get in there and start figuring things out or at least putting them on the table for someone else to uh take notes on and help you help you uh digest of course it's not a hundred percent it's not a it's not a fucking magic cure-all but it certainly does put you in that mindset and i think that's i think that's the point of the ceremonies now of course not everyone can do this and i i that's the thing i guess i understand where it's like save this for people who've been doing it uh you know for so long save it for people who've been using it as an antidote uh to the injustice that was put upon them and so you know i you you understand that when you when you get in this uh this mindset and i'm grateful for being invited to it i am because it's uh you know it, it's a it was a, it was a certainly a privilege 
And, um, you know, it's, again, I, I, I don't think there's anything similar to that in Western civilization. There's nothing, there's nothing that's uh, centered around reverence for a plant, reverence for the landscape that then comes with that plant, of course. Um, you know, I just, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I just wish uh, that the habitat was not so threatened. And I wish that there was more reverence and respect for this plant and for the entire Tama Leap and Thorn Scrub, the peyote gardens where it grows. Um, you know, I, I guess that's part of my, that's part of where I come from looking at this. So, and of course, you know, the thing I always think about too, I mean, I've only done masculine two or three times is, you know, why the shit is this thing? Why is this thing illegal? Why is this plant illegal? You know, it's, it's so totally harmless. It's, you know, you have too much, you just puke. There's no overdose. There's no addiction. You gain, uh, from what I've understand papers I've read, you, you know, you basically gain a tolerance to it to the point that it doesn't do anything anymore. If you use it consistently, you know, as opposed to once or twice a year, uh, it was basically, <laughs> it was basically just racism. That's the entire reason uh, that it was made illegal in the first place. And of course, all the other, you know, disasters of the drug war. Um, and the problem that, of course, it being illegal has made is that it can't be grown. Um, and uh, there's now kind of a, a cultural incentive to destroy it and to destroy the land that it grows on, uh, especially since now it's classified as a Schedule One drug. And, you know, the, the culture down here being somewhat socially conservative, even even though it's more of a blue, quote-unquote, blue area, is that uh, no one wants a drug on their land. And, uh, you know, there's just no, you know, except for, I mean, it's, it's all Tejano down here. So it's all, it's all Latino, and much of that, you know, much of the people that live down here have uh, native in their blood. So there is, there is some respect for it down here, and there's some understanding of it, but there's still an incentive to get rid of it. And historically, there's been a big incentive to get rid of it, uh, you know, to begin with. It's seen as, as a problem plant. Um, now, if it were legal, of course, and it basically is in California, I mean, it's pretty much decriminalized. Uh, though I guess people still sometimes get in trouble for it. But if it were, if it were legalized, I mean, there are like, there's like Korean, middle-aged Korean women that grow shit tons of astrophytum and lofafra and will never use it psychoactively they have no intention of ever using this plant for any psychedelic purposes um they just like growing them there's especially you know especially among you go to like asia holy shit thailand to japan whatever i mean what what people are doing breeding astrophytum there is fucking nuts astrophytum asteria should be used as a case study as an example of uh of natural selection, well, human selection in this case, of what can be, you know, what genes can be brought out of a single species because you get such variation. I mean, some of these breeders, they'll grow thousands of these plants and, you know, uh, so many of them, such a large percentage, maybe like, I don't know, one or 2%, maybe more than that, maybe 5% end up looking just remarkable. There's just so much variation is what I'm trying to say. There's so much variation in the genome, you know, so many recessive alleles, so many uh, hidden traits that can be brought out. Um, you know, it's like the same way that human beings you bred 150 different breeds of dog from the same species of canid, uh, Astrophytum asterius. Um, 
you know, the jet shit, the Japanese have bred all kinds of weird fucking cultivars of that plant. It's so cool. I mean, that, that should totally be in botany textbooks, that plant, because it's so remarkable what could be done with it. Same thing with, you know, how like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, all the same species of brassica. Um, you know, so there's a, there's tons of people that would grow this plant and there's tons of people that are growing this plant that will never use it psychoactively. Uh, and of course, cultivating it in mass, it's not the same as preserving habitat, but it's a lot better than watching everything get plowed over and destroyed and not cultivating it ex situ, out of, out of habitat, out of sight, S-I-T-E, sight. So, you know, I don't know, it'd be cool. My dream one day would be to see uh, someone growing this, and there are some organizations trying to do this, of course, but they don't have enough funding, and they're still just figuring it out, they're you know, no botanists really on, uh, on staff. Uh, they're just, you know, figuring out as they go along. But my dream would be to see one day like greenhouses just full of Lofafra. Um, you know, uh, NAC gets first dibs and, uh, and then of course the rest can just be sold as garden specimens, whatever. Um, I would love to see that or just have entire greenhouses dedicated to NAC use to native American, church use it's such a fucking crime that that's not happening and it's such a crime that you know anyone trying to do that you know grow ten thousand lofafra uh could technically be charged i guess in arizona you can't so that's why groups like morningstar conservancy uh are trying to do that there but it's still illegal to cultivate even if you are a native american church member in most places aside from arizona or oregon so far as i know so, um, fuck, it just sucks, you know? And of course they grow, I mean, you see how they grow in habitat down here. I mean, this is what they've evolved to, this constant heat, uh, you know, bright, bright shade. Like, even in the shade, it's still bright as hell and super hot. Um, that's what their metabolism's adjusted to, you know? There's people growing them in fucking New York City under God knows what kind of lights they get, you know? Ultraviolet <laughs> LEDs, I don't know. Uh... You know, but that's they're never going to be as as healthy as plants and habitat. And so, I don't know. I just I hope uh, I hope people come around to this and because yeah, there's like you know there's organizations like Indigenous Peyote Conservation Initiative, great organization up there in Morando City, Texas, great organization, but they're against decriminalization, and I don't understand why. It kind of makes me you know skeptical. It's like is this what is this what like you know, all those sketchy weed lords, and I'm certainly not comparing them to them, but I'm just saying, uh, is, it, is this what all those sketchy weed lords in Humboldt County were doing before, you know, cannabis got legalized in, uh, in California? Was it, is it a similar thing? Like, you want to maintain a monopoly on it? You know, you're not, you, you want, basically want it to stay illegal, not because you think it's a detrimental social ill, but because, you know, just for selfish reasons? I don't know. Uh you know, meanwhile, the the species is what suffers. The landscape is what suffers, you know. It sucks, you know. No one's going to be able to do a large-scale peyote restoration initiative down here if it's still, if it's, you know, continues to be illegal uh, for decades to come. Meanwhile, the, the sprawl that's, that's continuing to go on uh, in places like Star County or areas around Laredo is fucking nuts. I mean, they just, it's never going to stop. Right? There's nothing, there's no, why would it stop? There's no reason to stop. All right? It's all private holdings. All right? When you don't, when you can't ranch on it anymore, when you're not getting hunting leases for the land, 
you know, because people will rent the land to go hunt out there and go shoot deer, whatever. And, you know, the way they do it here in Texas, they sit in the blind, drink beers, watch TV, bait the deer with corn, shoot them, blow their fucking heads off, and then, you know, make jerky out of them. It's not like they're going, you know, a lot of dudes I used to work with on the railroad would actually, you know, in the more rural areas, a lot of these, you know, redneck guys would go, and no offense to the rednecks, I'm not, I'm not saying that in any which way, just, you know, whatever, rednecks. Uh, a lot of the redneck dudes would go out and actually scout the deer and track them, and they were really into it. You know, none of them were overweight. Uh, <laughs> they would just fucking, they were into it, you know. That's how they went on. They, we don't do that in Texas. People down here in Texas, you know, sit in blinds and shoot. It's so fucking hot most of the time anyway. Um, you know, so when you can't get hunting leases, you can't ranch on it. There's no... Uh, you know, you don't, you can't get that agricultural exemption that you get via taxes down here and property taxes because Texans don't pay state income tax. They, they, it's all property taxes. It's how the state makes most of its money. When that's gone, what are you going to do? If there's, if there's, you know, a development coming, if Starbucks wants to come in and buy, buy, well, it wouldn't be Starbucks, be whoever rents to them, but you know, some commercial developer comes in and wants to put in a fucking auto plaza or some other shithole on what was formerly Thornscrub, what's going to stop? There's nothing to stop it, right? You want to make as much money as possible. It's Everything's dictated by that. There's no reverence for the land, uh, etc. It's just so much of the land down here in Texas that people are able to enjoy is just from, you know, the philanthropy of a few rich landowners who might be willing to donate their land to the state for a state park, in which case you still have to pay. It's not free for people. All these places should be free to go enjoy. Um you know, it's uh, it's basically just at, at the whims of the landowner. Everything is We're in a state where ninety five percent of the land is privately owned. So, uh, you know, the 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 plant is threatened, the habitat is threatened. Um, there, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. And what needs to happen down here is that we need a solid preserve, a massive holding of land. Uh, put into a land trust or something that will never be uh, sold to private interest. It's got to be big enough to provide habitat. Uh, it's got to, you know, have someone that lives on site who's able to uh, maintain not just the peyote, the lofafra, but also, you know, just basically someone who's going to live there and over oversee the land, free, you know, frequently walk through it, uh, you know, see if there's feral pig damage, see if plants are declining, basically someone who's going to be there and steward it, you know, that would be ideal. And then maybe if you, you know, you get some, you know, enough funds, you build a little visitor center, right? With a gift shop and all that shit, some informational science, you know, that would be, uh, that would be my dream. Cause you know, you get that in other parts of the country, you know, you get it in the Midwest, you get tall grass, prairie preserves, you know, huge inholdings of land dedicated to conserving and restoring habitat. And then there's a fucking visitor center to explain it to people. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, you know, for education and, and public outreach, you get plenty of those in California, of course. But down here, uh, I mean, in much of Texas, you don't get much of that. There's not much of it. There's only a few for how big the state is. And then especially in South Texas, there's nothing. There's almost nothing. So, And there's certainly nothing in the peyote gardens. So, uh I don't know. That would be my dream one day. You know, some fucking millionaire <laughs> wants to set up a wants to set up some sort of land preserve because this land is going, man. It's these this all this habitat is is diminishing. The sprawl just keeps spreading out. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of new developments gone up in Rio Grande City. It's fucking tragic. So anyway, moving on though from uh, that kind of depressing talk. So this whole ceremony lasted 15 hours. Um, we passed around the peyote once and waited you know, four or five hours. Of course, there's just lots of singing, lots of chanting. Uh, different uh, elders would speak, give prayers. Uh, and then we passed it around again. Yeah, like I said, five hours later, five or six hours later. And um, there's just, you know, just lots of singing, chanting, uh, intermittently throwing juniper in the fire. Uh Prayers for people, etc. A couple people puked. A couple young men puked. It was all dudes that puked. Like young guys in their, uh, I guess what, like all seem to be like early twenties, upper twenties maybe. Um, and so yeah, you puke, and the the uh, fireman comes in, cleans it up. The guy who's tending the fire, of course, someone's coming in every, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes to put new. Uh, logs on the fire, round up the coals, keep them orderly and in a semicircle. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, I think it was just a, one or two people, the same one or two guys doing that, attending it basically. Um, and then, of course, you know, people, sh- of course, driving here, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the native people who came here drove here from out of state. Um, and this is one of the wonderful things that IPCI does too, Indigenous Peyote Conservation Initiative, is they basically set up a spot for people to have ceremony and to drive, for Native people to drive from you know states away, as far away as Idaho, Washington, wherever, come here. They've got uh, showers for them to use, lodging, uh, childcare, etc. And so there were kids here too, not at the ceremony, but there were people. Of course, there's you know a handful of uh, people five or six people outside the teepee, five or six adults who, you know, watch the kids uh, get food ready for after ceremony. Um, They're not, they don't adjust any peyote. Um, You know, this is a, this is, again, it's a bonafide, it's so fucked that this thing is illegal. It's so fucked that this is a schedule one 
drug because that is not that it's just not the nature of any of this you know a ceremonial use it's a it's a genuine religious ceremony so um anyway so you know the paraki's of course are going out through the night you know fucking making their making their uh calls and whatnot very pleasant to hear didn't hear the roar of any road noise that was another wonderful thing just crickets and paraki's and uh, that night jar, you know, three other species of night jars. Then in the morning, um, it's, uh, it's just Kiskadees, which is another cool kind of bird we get out here, which, you know, comprises the soundtrack of much of South Texas. Here, I'll play a Kiskadee call for you. Ah, love it. Little bastards. Got like a little, little white, uh, ring around their, their heads. Got a black head. Well, it's, it's like a black band. It's like a black eye band. Yeah, oh, they're so funny. And a yellow, a yellow stomach. Don't worry, I'm not getting into birding here. I just like the soundtrack these these guys provide. Okay, <laughs> I'm not, don't worry. Okay, I, no offense to any birders. I'm just saying. Um. Yeah. So that, those are kiskadees. So that was that was the morning. Prockies only go you know five six hours into the night. Kiskadees wake up with the kiskadees. Uh, in the sun, and then of course the sun. It was set up. The TP was set up too, so that the sun came directly through the hole at the top. Because the hole isn't directly at the top; it's kind of on you know one side of it on an angle. Um, so the sun comes through and just you know like it seemed like it was intentionally lined up with uh, the way the sun would be coming up. So um, and it was you know faces the head of the, the TP too, where the the roadman is sitting. So, um, God damn, it was just, it was such a fucking lovely night, man. Such a wonderful experience. 15 hours we were in there though. So it was kind of cramped. That was the only thing, you know, there wasn't, you know, I asked my, I asked my guy, so what do I got to bring in here? He said, just uh, a pillow to sit on. And, um, and I brought some water and that was it. A little water jug. Uh, but you definitely, you know, you're just sitting on the ground. So it's, uh, I went, I went, I, you know, I went back and forth between three or four different positions sitting. Uh, there wasn't really, an, it wasn't really enough room for me to sit, uh, you know, the Zen pose with my legs, with my knees out like that. Uh, so I went between kneeling, uh, keeled over, sitting back, uh, having my arms back behind me. That was the only bummer part, you know, it made me realize I got, I really got to do more to yogas. You know, I got to stretch out. Okay. Um, but God, yeah, I was thankful I didn't fucking eat. So it was a, a nice fast. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything I'm leaving out? I mean, you spend 15 hours in a teepee with 41 strangers. What the fuck? You know, on a, a compound that's been me being used for upwards of five or 6,000 years, probably more. Um, <laughs> you'd think you'd have more to say about it, but I guess, I guess I've been talking about this for 40 minutes. I can shut the fuck up soon, but... Uh, and then coming out, you know, that was the cool thing too, is before we came out, you know, the, the, the prayers are basically, everyone says their prayers. There was one gentleman who got up in the middle of, he was a veteran and he seemed, he didn't get up, but he, he got a little feisty in the middle of it. He was given the opportunity to speak and he, I guess he felt underappreciated. He had brought some of the stuff, um, he brought the teepee and some other stuff. And so you could tell he was a little salty, uh, the, uh, the woman, the Cheyenne Arapaho lady, that elder, you know, asked him to to 
chill out a little bit calmly and he was like no no and and it was kind of like holy shit like that lady's a badass and she's an elder you don't really want to talk to her like that buddy you know but she didn't you know so he kept talking and then finally she got up and she was like you know it could tell it, you could tell the guy was having a problem like he was kind of in distress and so it's a little angry about whatever i'm not i couldn't really figure out i couldn't deduce what it was but there was some salt there he was a little spicy about some and so she got up and it was this woman was such a badass she goes we know we don't make fun of people like this we help we help you know and so you know this is for healing and uh yeah it was it was just pretty pretty wonderful you know um pretty wonderful vibe and so she kind of put her arm around him and like walked him around and kind of comforted him and uh and then we all you know they sat back down and we all just finished up gave a few more prayers they passed around some food uh which again is just like part of the ceremony it's not like you're not going to get a full breakfast there we ate breakfast later but um to close out the ceremony we all basically pass around food and eat together there was like some blue corn some deer meat uh, which I don't normally eat, you know, I don't normally eat the red meats and stuff because a lot of the dagos get the colon cancer and what the shit. So, but I made an exception, of course. I'm not gonna, the fuck, I'm not gonna reject it. Same thing I'll do, you know, if I'm like in, in, uh, in Mexico or something, and someone, you know, takes you into their home and gives you some, some fucking, you know, gives you some food. You don't, you don't turn it down, all right? I'm a vegan. <laughs> I'm not a vegan, but I'm just saying, that'd be, that'd be such a fucking hilariously, uh turd shaped behavior um and then what else did we have we had uh i think there was rice too i don't know either way passed around food ate breakfast and then that was it and then we all come out of the teepee and it was at this point it was like 10 or 11 in the morning we went in there at seven and uh christ it was now nah, it was how many hours was it i don't know it was a fucking it was like yeah it was like 15 hours we come out and the sun's up, and it's, you know, it's January, but it's still, you know, we get chilly at night. Get down to like 50 degrees at night, and then it's still like 75, 80 uh, during the day. We all came out, and everyone was just, you know, it was just such a good feeling. People came out and just held their hands up to the sun, let the sun warm them. Um, you know, it was a, I don't know, it, it was such a great, it was such a great, and that's not normally something I do. I'm not like a new age guy, obviously. If you anyone's been listening to Crime Pays, know I kind of, and this is not what that was. This was uh, partaking in a in a ceremony that I had the privilege of being invited to with some people who have a reverence for the same things I do and really know how to appreciate it and also how to use a psychedelic compound that's found in this uh, threatened cactus species that uh, I care about immensely and whose habitat I want to preserve and uh, and and get people excited about, you know. People are already excited about peyote, all right? There's already like a mysteriousness around this plant, any psychoactive plant, okay? My goal is to get people not just giving a shit about this plant because it's got this, you know, Schedule 1 drug in it that shouldn't be a Schedule 1 drug. My goal is to get people seeing the whole bigger fucking picture and learning the names, botanic names or just common ones, whatever, of all the other cool plants there and why they're important and why they how they all interact to make this habitat what it is and how we need to prevent it from getting turned into a fucking starbucks or the panda express or any of the other inane shit they got like five stripes gas stations within three miles of each other like fuck it just the development just blows my mind it just it just doesn't give a fuck there's just no innate respect 
for this land? At what point does someone stop and say, you know, anyone, like a city council, whatever, like for every four blocks of shit we build, we have to set aside one block of just leaving native habitat intact or doing restoration or creating a green space, which feels good to be in so it doesn't feel so fucking miserable to drive down any commercial strip in America. Will that ever happen? Probably not, you know? I can't imagine it, but just goddamn, here in this country, in, in the USA, we're so good at building ugly things, at building ugly places, which of course, in turn, creates ugly people on the inside, you know, people that just have uh, no value for anything else. But I think most people, you show them this stuff and tell them what's why it's important, you know, any human being who's in their right mind is going to make the connection and see it, you know, but uh, you just got to show it to them. So, anyway, uh, I think that's it. Yeah, we just we came out. It was a great morning. Uh, I had to hang out, hung out for like an hour or two, and then I had to drive the fucking back to South Padre Island to finish filming Kill Your Lawn. So <laughs> that was that was my uh, Sunday a few weeks ago. Um, but on that note, so we did we did two episodes of Kill Your Lawn down here. One in South Padre, which is you know basically just a giant sandbar uh that protects a estuary a saltwater estuary from uh the ocean from the gulf but there's a lot of cool plants on there and there's a lot of cool plants growing on those dunes croton punctatus for instance uh among you know five or six dozen dozen others ipomea pest capri which is a really quick a really fast growing and spreading um Ipomea, like it's got that big purple flower, big purple morning glory flower. Uh, we used a bunch of yuccas, yucca truculiana, I think was the species. I don't know if there's another one. But anyway, there's, you know, it's it, South Texas is so cool because right on the Gulf, right where Elon is building his, uh, tweeting Elon is building his, uh, his uh, space herpes, you got so many cool plants. It's like, it's basically a transition to desert. It's where the Gulf Coast starts to transition to desert and thorn scrub. So you've got yuccas and Rio Grande Valley barrel cactus, formerly feral cactus, now hamato cactus, hematocanthus, growing uh, on, in places like the Brownsville Shipping Channel, you know, where they get shot up by rednecks playing with AK-47s. Doesn't it get tiring? I just wonder, and I'm not against guns, but doesn't it just get fucking tiring shooting just shooting shit you know into the into the like shooting mounds of dirt or, or shooting fucking cacti i mean i just that ammunition's so expensive too you know is i i don't understand i mean i understand it's like a lowest common denominator hobby in some cases um but just the way i see people shooting it's not like they're like you know practicing sniper skills it's like they're just just randomly firing off uh guns it just seems like it would get so fucking boring but uh Anyway, um, but the habitat there is so cool. We stopped at Laguna Atascosa Wildlife Refuge, which is like these clay mounds right on the Gulf. So super salty soil. Um, but there's yuccas, there's Scytherexalum, which is verbenaceae. It's like got these almost, uh, almost looks like boraginaceae, like scorpioid cymes of white flowers. Um, and uh, very fragrant plant. It's got the opposite leaves. It's in Lamiales, the... Uh, salvia order the oregano order same as lamiaceae except it's in verbenaceae so got a lot of cool verbenaceae down in south america holy shit remember there was one we made a tea out of in uh the high atacama at like twelve thousand feet that it just it's fuck it smelled so good it was such a wonderful tea i wish i remembered the species no chance in hell of growing it down here in south texas though um 
all that high elevation shit is so you know you need those cool nights um so there's Sitharexalum. What else did we see? Oh, Diosporos Texana. We saw some old, really old Texas persimmons. They were pretty big, you know, with that really smooth, beautiful bark. What a wonderful fucking plant. Uh, we saw Accordia runcinata, which is like a little pink-flowered Asteraceae. Pink-flowered member of the Mutisioid subfamily, which, again, is mostly in South America, but you get a couple uh, genera. Accordia, of course, too. You get in, in uh, California and uh, Arizona. Throughout the Southwest, uh, Accordia runcinata, this species is like a diminutive little one, but really cool pink flowers. Um, saw that, saw those blooming. Uh, I don't even think we picked up too many ticks. Uh, Dahlia was all over the place. I think it was Dahlia poganathera. There, I think there was one or two other species of Dahlia too. Little little herbaceous perennials. Uh, the habitat is so great, and, and lichen on everything, too. Like, lichen on the, the fucking Texas persimmon we saw was just draped in uh, five or six different beautiful lichen species. So, thank God that that uh, preserve is there. And this was a spot we just pulled right off the road. There wasn't a trail or anything. We just pulled off the road. The habitat looked good. I got out, dragged the cameraman up there. We're filming all this shit. Uh, Al was with us. He enjoyed it, too. Um... And then uh, when we were filming the the uh, the McAllen episode, um, the homeowners weren't quite ready to do their front yard. That they weren't they weren't ready to kill their front yard. They were still clutching it. But they we convinced them later on. Really sweet couple convinced them to put, let us put a Montezuma cypress in the front yard. And you know, of course, those require more water. But I think they're fine. You just the soil in that particular spot was pretty decent. You got so many people on either side of your water in their lawns and shit, too, that I think there's enough. You get six feet down that soil, there's enough moisture. So once that tree's roots get down in there, it'll tap into a water supply. It'll be fine. But I definitely, you know, I, I instilled in them the first year or two, you just want to put the hose on that thing, put it on a slow trickle, keep mulch around, you know, two or three feet of it at least. Have mulch be like four or five inches deep and just put the hose on a slow trickle and just let it ride. Go inside, you know do whatever, hang out inside for an hour or two, whatever the fuck you're doing, watch TV, you know, doing laundry and shit, drawing pictures, whatever you're doing, okay, you know, teaching yourself guitar, playing fiddle, whatever the shit, <laughs> I don't know, doing yoga, do your Pilates, come back out, turn the hose off, do that once or twice a week, it'll be fine, um, so, uh, anyway, so, but, you know, in, in planting the Montezuma Cypress, we got to tear up some of that the St. Augustine grass they got for the lawn, so it's bit by bit, but they did their whole backyard, which was great, and, uh, and the, the landscaper we were working with was a friend of a friend, so he put a bunch of great shit in the ground, all cool natives, we planted an Essenbeckia, which is a super rare member of the citrus family down here, Rutaceae, which I, I should stop saying citrus family, because people always think, you know, is it edible, which, of course, most of the North American citrus are not edible. They just have the same synapomorphies that that family has, which is uh, ferranocoumarin, secondary chemistry. It's a type of chemical compound. They, the leaves often smell really good. They've got pellucid oil glands, which, of course, is why those leaves smell good. They're producing that nice smell and resin, you know, whether it's uh, Thamnosma uh, texensis, which you get down here. You also get Thamnosma montana in the Mojave Desert. All right, the fruits look like a little ass, really funny-looking fruits. Uh, wonderful plant though. Uh, Thamnosma montana. The, you get the the Mojave is is you know an actual like woody plant. It's kind of uh, do you know anyone who is anyone growing Thamnosma montana in a garden? 
there any like Mojave Desert native plant gardens? How easy is Thamnels on Montana to grow and keep alive? Because the ones we get here in Texas are smaller. They're like herbaceous perennials. I don't think they're annuals, but they're they're certainly not. They don't get that tall, and they don't have. Uh, I don't think they have. Maybe they're like suffrutescent. They got like a a small uh, woody stem up to like two or three inches, but um, they still smell great, you know. But uh, anyway, so this, we also get Xanthoxylum fagara, which you also get in Florida, but the Florida population is not as spiny as the ones we get in Texas. So, of course, there's different ecotypes there, being that Texas is more arid and the plants here have been subjected to more herbivore pressure. So they're a little spinier and meaner. Um, there's two Xanthoxylum species. I think the other one is Hirsuta. And then you get, uh, we get Helietta, of course, which is a really cool plant. It's like, I don't know, 12 feet tall at most, but it forms extensive uh, woodlands out in Stark County and uh, co-occurs with peyote. Um, and uh, and then Essenbeckia. Oh, yeah, and we get Amaris, too. Amaris is another cool genus. A-M-A-Y-R-I-S, another cool genus of native rutaceae, native citrus family. That you get out here, but Essenbeckia, uh, I think it's, you think you get more, I think there's quite a few more populations in Mexico, or is it somewhat rare in Mexico too? Anyway, it's certainly rare here in South Texas. There's only one population discovered on an old oxbow lake 25 years ago by the notorious Mike Heap of Heap's Nursery. If you live down here, certainly check out Heap's Nursery in Harlingen. The guy's fucking awesome. Really cool guy. Ex-Marine, uh, Mr. Natural fan. First time I met him, he, he had an R. Crumb shirt on. Uh, really cool guy. And grows a shit ton of uh, native plants. And, and has a genuine love for him, too. He knows all the fucking Latin nomenclature. He knows the scientific names. He knows the common names. Uh, he knows how they behave in cultivation, how easy they are to germinate. You could tell he's just it's not just a job to him. He genuinely loves the flora down here, as do I. And uh, have you ever smelled a mesquite woodland? It's got such a particular smell to it, especially with the soil down here. You know, it's really weird. I wouldn't say, I mean, I think it smells good now because of what I associate with, but innately it's not like a inherently pleasant smell. It doesn't smell bad, but it's just a very particular smell of this kind of silty Rio Grande sandy loam mixed with decaying mesquite uh, vegetation. <laughs> it's like, it's so specific though. It's such a vibe. As they say. But anyway, so Essenbeckia uh, berlandieri is uh, probably a 20 or 30 foot tall tree down here in South Texas. And it's this population where it grows is on fish and wildlife land next to an agricultural field. Um, and you basically step out of the off this dirt road into the brush, the tick infested brush. Every time I go there, I get dozens of ticks. Um, you step into the brush and there's just a couple trees in there. There's another cool... Uh, Another really cool plant on there, Pisonia. Is it a Culeata? I should check. I should check what it is. But uh, anyway, it's a member of Nictaginaceae. It's like a native Bougainvillea. And um, I got a couple in my yard down here, and they get fucking. They can get pretty huge. They'll climb like twenty feet up a tree. It's like a scandent vine, like a like a woody vine. Um, can also be mean. Can also have thorns. But either way, it's it's a really wonderful plant. I think they're dioecious too, so plants are unisexual. So there's that. There was amorous. There's ebony trees everywhere. Ebonopsis abano, such an underappreciated tree down here. And then, of course, there's just like 20 of these Essenbeckias. And I don't know how they got there, but they're fucking wonderful trees. And they have such a cool bark uh, texture to them. You know, it's like this beige and green 
warty bark. Well, it's smooth in some places, but then it's got little lenticels in it. Uh, and it's got probably, I think it's triffid leaves, triffid glabrous leaves. Um, so, oh, there's 18 species of S and Beckia. No shit. S and Beckia pumula. Oh, that's down there in Brazil. But I think they're all New World, huh? S and Beckia flava down there in La Paz. No shit. Man, I got to go back to Baja. It's been too long. I haven't been down. I used to go to Baja like twice a year. It's been so long now, you know? The flora down there is so fucking cool. You know, being separated from the mainland by a uh, the San Andreas Fault. Um, is it the, still the San Andreas down there? Or is it a spreading center at that point? I don't know. Either way, hot tectonic action. Being separated from the mainland is a peninsula, a very long peninsula for five or six million years. Uh, and then having the Sea of Cortez being a good uh, vicarious barrier. A good uh, barrier to... Uh, a good barrier for the genet genetic isolation and whatnot. Surely does a lot for speciation. There's a there's a there's a Ebenopsis down in Baja too, um, which I would love to see. You know, variations on a theme. So yeah, there's man, there's so many S and Beckys, S and Becky of flavor down there in beautiful La Paz, Mexico, Baja, California. We go down there for our annual motocross. Just kidding. <laughs> we go down there for the Honky 5000. It's a famous race we do in Baja. Just tearing up the desert in our vroom vroom carts. Um. Anyway. Oh, yeah, this lady on INAD is saying, I have no idea what this is. It was only 0.3 meters tall, and I didn't see any others at the site. Growing in a stressed area down there east of La Paz, down in beautiful Baja, California. But, uh, Essenbeckia berlandieri, Essenbeckia hartmannii. Anyway, the one up here is berlandieri. It used to be runyonii. I'm pretty sure they're both the synonyms. Um, it's a great fucking tree, and it needs it needs shade early on. So it needs it's good for like the woodland for that canopy, and that's what this was. This is like a shady woodland where it grows. Um, probably the reason there's so many ticks is because there's feral pigs there too. It was either feral pigs or heavily not. I think it was the feral pigs. Uh, so, you know, someone's got to go out there and put them down because they just tear up the fucking landscape, but you could smell them. And we, then we saw a bunch of pig skulls all over. So they've been hanging out there for probably a few years. Um, kind of feel bad for them, you know, poor little bastards, but, uh, you know, they could just go, why you can't you round them up and, and contain them, let them live out their lives in a little happy pig, you know, resort. And then when they get old, then you just, you know, kill them and eat them. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't make bacon out of them. I wouldn't eat that shit. I don't eat that shit, of course. But, of course, you know, you get a nice pig. You have a pig roast. You know, you could have your uh, your your uh, annual summer bash pig roast feral pigs i think i think from what i've heard of from some of my redneck friends is they don't like to eat the feral pig some of them do and some don't all right i know a lot of people at least in north texas don't want to eat feral pigs because it tastes fucking bad. you don't want to eat javelina i know that they don't want to eat the, I, I couldn't kill a javelina anyway i like the you know stinky little half blind bastards i like them i love them actually I wouldn't want to eat one but i'm just saying if, if push came to shove it was like some fucking zombie apocalypse shit, i probably probably Still would not eat a, a javelina. I've heard it's that unpleasant. You know, I don't know exactly what it tastes like, but uh, I ate goat once. I don't like the way goat tastes either. It's like it's you could feel like the sulfur smell. I don't know if they're bringing that up with them from the gates of hell when they come up here or what. Just kidding. I'm not trying to get New Testament on you, but you know what I mean. Um, I can't. I just the goat. I don't know some sort of protein they produce probably that just is in everything. <laughs> Even like goat cheese, I don't like it. All right, I could never, I could never, what do they call that? Uh, cabin, co- what's it called? Cottage core? Is that the thing they do in a, uh, the 1890s is alive in Portland? What do they do with that? Is that what they do? The cottage core, you get goats and chickens and all that shit? Um, I'm really going off on one, aren't I? All right, anyway, let's rope that around, bring it back home. So the S and Becky, uh, uh, back to subject. So the S and Becky habitat, um, was really cool we only got one or two ticks they were seed ticks of course but we didn't go that deep into the habitat but it's on this old rasaka and so i was there looking up at these trees and noticed that uh they were producing fruit like 20 feet up the canopy and so i shimmied up this thing uh i wasn't wearing my hard boots either just these little like, soft marrow boots i got too so i wouldn't fuck up the bark shimmied up this tree 20 feet up and just started collecting fruits off of it which was fucking great i mean they're, they're beautiful fruits too and it's cool because when these things bloom a friend of mine's got one in his front yard it's like a 20 year old tree they can take full sun when they're older uh but he's got a s and becky in his front yard and when the flowers are going off they get these these panicles of all these really pleasant smelling rutaceous flowers and when you look in the center of the flower you could see that same ovary because a fruit is just an ovary you could see that same uh, five carpeled ovary right there in the center of the flower uh, and then of course that's what ends up swelling upon pollination and maturing into this really beautiful five uh, carpeled or five locule fruit i don't know if there's like a two seeds per locule or one two seeds per carpel or one whatever anyway um the point is uh you got a shit ton of seeds so i hopefully i'll you know let them i collected i collected the peduncle too you know the stem of the fruit and then you know just to give it some more time to just open naturally because they weren't open yet they're ready you know you can collect fruits of most plants a couple days before they open you want to get them you know, make sure they're full size uh if parts of the fruit are browning already that's a good if it's like a dry fruit like a dry capsule fruit that's a good indication that they're going to be maturing soon so you could pull them off leave that peduncle intact don't open them yourself let them finish maturing uh, however much they need to do so and then when they're ready they'll just yeah like this one i'm looking at one right now it's already start the seams are already starting to open there the fruit is already starting to dehiss 
So the seeds will come out of this, and then the seed needs enough pre-treatment. We'll grow a shit ton of them. I'll give some to Mike Heap so he can grow more. He sells this plant, which is great. That's where we got the one we used in uh, the McAllen, Texas episode. Oh, it smells so good. God damn. And like the, the skin of these, too, it looks like an orange peel. It's got that kind of warty texture to it. Uh, you'd see on like an orange or a lemon. And so we'll grow a shit ton of these and, uh, you know, basically give them away and just try to get them out there. Again, using using ex-situ conservation in a garden, right? Using human horticulture as a means to guard and uh, conserve uh, wild plants. You know, since apparently so many places, as in so many places in the United States, Texas included, you, there's so little you can do for the fucking habitat. You just get these crumbs left, and even those get threatened. When I was in, when I was in Miami, there's a spot somewhere in Miami where they, they got rid of a... I'm not sure who owned the land or, or what the deal was with it, but it got sold to a developer. It was like intact Pine Rockland, and it got turned into a fucking Walmart and a Chick-fil-A of all places. Just like the most, the most grotesque, like something, it was, it's like the plot of a fucking Simpsons episode. Like it's so cynical and fucking, I mean, it's hilarious too, because it's just like, it's hilarious from a really dark perspective. Like Jesus Christ, you fucking ingrates. You didn't, that's what you, you couldn't, you couldn't think of anything to do with this land, you know, that would preserve it or, or, you know, just keep it as like a vestigial crumb of habitat. You turn it into a fucking Chick-fil-A so these pigs can sit there in the drive-thru. <laughs> sit there in the fucking drive-thru. Stuff in their faces. I fucking hate Chick-fil-A, too. And I'll eat chicken occasionally, but I won't fucking eat there. I fucking hate that place. Never mind all their weird, creepy, conservative Christian... Uh, you know, ethos behind the company. It's just, it's a fucking, ugh. I just associate it with places I hate. Do you see how mad I get? Do you see that? Why does he get mad? Why is he so mad? He gets so worked up. When I moved to California for the first time, everyone asked me why I was shouting all the time. I was like, I'm not shouting, I'm just talking. Why are you? All the white people, I should say. This is like an expressly white cultural thing. All right? I, black and brown, you don't see this so much in black and brown culture. Okay? This watered down, really, really just calm. Why are you, let's talk about that. Let's process that. Why are you so angry? You know, you can't, there's like no, there's no room for ball busting. <laughs> I don't, God, what a horrible way to live. You know, the, just living in a fucking episode of uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross. Uh, that, But that was part of my life when I lived in California. I met, I met many people like that and no offense to them. Just not for me. Not for me. Right, the same way that like you know, uh, being dosed with Xanax every morning when I wake up is not with me, not for me. Same same effect. But I imagine maybe the Xanax feels better. I don't know, I'm not really into that stuff. But you know, if I was, I'm just saying. Oh God, what a watered down. You know, one of my exes told me she used to always get mad at me and tell me I aired, tell me I aired my dirty laundry. And I said, you know, I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, wait a minute, that's that's fine. If you're airing your dirty laundry, that means that's not really bothering you. You you puking it up on the table so you could deal with it and you know you got no shame about it what's the what's the reverse what's the what's the opposite reaction like what's the opposite of that just bury it and sweep it under the rug and <laughs> it's like just fucking let it eat away at you for 20 years i mean i'm not saying it's certain things aren't still eating away at me but at least i put it out there at least i know they're eating away with me eating away at me jesus christ I'm getting uh, dyslexia. I think it's time to end the fucking podcast i gotta go on a run too been running again which is nice you know because uh, I live in a place where uh, you have to drive everywhere. I mean, I 
it's nice. I could still like walk. There's a coffee shop I can walk to and whatnot, but there's only a certain area that I can go. There's only so far you can go before you, you know, you hit the edge of the little parcel you're granted, which is bordered, you know, on all four sides by giant fucking roads, giant boulevards. Uh, so, you know, God, that was a thing about Miami that blew my mind too. It was just driving everywhere. Same shit. Same shit you get in so much of the quote sunbelt, which is just cities without sidewalks, just endless car dependency. Anyone who walks is a fucking loser. I mean, Christ, I opened the fucking podcast today, you know, ranting about that satirically in another satirical ad. Can you tell it's really, but I, I, I just, you know, it's just nuts because so, so many people, kids, especially you grew up with this shit, don't know there's another way, especially if they never left the country. You know, it's just, it just boggles the mind why someone would want to be trapped in a car for most of their life. And I think nobody really wants this. It's just the only option we're given. It's the way infrastructure is built both, you know, as a result of our society not valuing anything else or not knowing any other way. And, you know, just the shit for brain capitalism on steroids. Uh, and, uh, just the kind of, you know, just the price of, of, uh, America being so wealthy, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just, it's, it's certainly unenlightened. I mean, you'd think being wealthier, you know, you'd have a better education, to, to look around and realize this lifestyle is killing us, you know, from obesity and diabetes to fucking the social isolation to how miserable it feels to be trapped in a car, to how bad it is for your fucking posture, whatever. But apparently that uh, all that wealth is not going into education. So, <laughs> it's, you know, I don't know. There's whole movements. There's a couple cool. If you're if you agree with me on all this shit, I'm always ranting about with the car dependency. There's a couple cool uh Instagram pages you should check out, you know, among other, first off, not just bikes, the YouTube channel is a great place to start. First time I ever started thinking along this line, along these lines was I read a book by James Howard Kunstler called The Geography of Nowhere, um, which is basically about why these suburban areas and now many urban areas in the Sun Belt too, from Atlanta to Miami to wherever, feel so bad. Um, he was, I don't know, is dude still alive? He was up. He was from upstate New York, but uh, he wrote a couple good books. Home from Nowhere, Geography in Nowhere, etc. Uh, and then the Instagram pages are ATL Urbanist, Atlanta Urbanist, uh, for one. Um, Segregation by Design is another good Instagram page that covers this kind of shit. And just, you know, just good overviews of uh, of how we got where we are in this country with our civic planning, with our infrastructure, with basically selling out our towns and cities to the car. And why it feels so bad to be so many places in the American landscape, you know? Um, you know, you shouldn't have to travel an hour to go to wild habitat or experience native plants, you know? But in many places in this country, that's what it, that's what it takes. Uh, it's really sad. And I experienced a lot of that in South Florida. Anyway, so I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, thanks for listening. If you emailed me and I didn't get back to you, don't take it personally. I'll try to fucking do it soon. It's just a lot of the time I'm uh, using a phone. Uh, I got books for sale. If you want me to draw some in, it's 55 bucks. No purchase protection because they'll rob me. The Venmo address, Society is Hell. Isn't that eloquent and illustrious? Society is Hell. Uh, and I'll leave your address and what it's for in the comments. 
Um, if you're out of the country, I could do PayPal too. Just email me crimepaysofbotanydozen at gmail.com. And uh, I'm still trying to update the website with a bunch of shit. Uh, I got tons of photos to put up there. I just never have enough time to do anything. I still have to create herbarium labels for a bunch of shit I've collected in the last few months that I accessioned at the herbarium. Uh, none of which is labeled yet. And uh, yeah, we should be done with Kill Your Lawn here in uh, I don't know, two or three weeks. So hopefully it does well and doesn't tank but that's up to them in the editing department i guess so if it if it, if it even gets like 20 or 30 people in this country to kill their fucking lawn and plant native plants and get stoked about native plants because it's a fucking it's an intensely rewarding thing to learn about and experience the native flora what defines the landscape and your sense of place wherever you live uh even if it gets 30 people to do that it will have i'll be happy so It'll be worth the low rate of pay and all the other shit. So fucking a. Anyway, um, no, I think the editors will do do well. They're doing they're doing a great job so far, and they're I don't know they're they're good people. So anyway, that's all I got for you today. Have a good rest of your evening, afternoon, morning, whenever shit go fuck yourself. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.